Welcome to Collector's Corner, the premier digital art platform. We help collectors gain and maintain their edge, all while appreciating beautiful art. Let's jump in. So I think we wanted to start this off with a real quick uh, clip of um, the Numenon and the audio track that uh, accompanies it. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and play this while the room is filling up. And without further ado, here it is. himself fantastic just love how everything you well not uh, most of what you have is audiovisual uh i'm not sure about the chrono photographs i'm assuming there's not an audio component to that but just yeah it's so talented so we're super excited to be up here with you chatting um and i wanted to maybe before we start going to all the art LC, uh, do you want to say a few words about the, uh, you know, the folks who are going to be able to join in the snapshot um, for these initial Numenons? Yeah. Um, uh, hey, everyone. I'm Lady Cactoid. Um, I was also going to say to Jared and, and Collector's Corner, if we could bring up Mitchell Chan, the um, artist to join us as a speaker. Um because he's going to be joining us as well. Um, so I'm Lady Cactoid. Uh, I am a co-founder of Cactoid Labs. Um, I'm a curator and art historian, and we are working with um, the Los Angeles County Museum of Art. So this initiative that Deaf Beef has created this brilliant work for is for LACMA. It's called Remembrance of Things Future, the broader initi initiative for anyone who is not familiar. And basically the museum has invited a series of contemporary artists to make new work in response to the museum's permanent collection. And LACMA is an encyclopedic museum, so there are objects that are thousands of years old and from all over the world in addition to, to modern art. Um, and there's also a really rich history of art and technology at LACMA, which is why um, the museum wanted to try to engage all the amazing experimentation that's happening right now on the blockchain. Um, LACMA has had a long running art and technology program that began in the 60s and included people like Andy Warhol and James Terrell. Um, and then they 
sort of rebooted that program into something called the Art and Technology Lab, which has been running at LACMA for 10 years and has run by a really brilliant curator and friend who's joined us on many Twitter spaces named Joel Foray. Um, and the lab basically gives grants to artists to realize ambitious works that really push the boundaries of art and technology. So this, this work that we're doing with LACMA and contemporary artists like Deaf Beef is directly um, uh, in conjunction with the Art and Technology Lab and actually going to help support the lab. So um, Deaf Beef got really interested in Moybridge, in the early chronophotographs of Edward Moybridge, and we can get into that in a second. Um, but there is a big, exciting participatory dimension to this work, and there's an opportunity for those listening here today in the spaces to partake in that um, participatory dimension, if anybody would like. So um, we'll 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 detail what it's all about, but. Um, we will take a snapshot at some point during the spaces and then um, do like a random shuffle and, and see if, if those people selected would like to participate. But um, I think, you know, one thing I wanted to mention as well is that this whole program is in dialogue with the current exhibition that's up at LACMA called Coded, Art Enters the Computer Age, um, 1952 to 1982. And it is uh, a, a really sort of groundbreaking look at the pioneers of uh, computer, computer art, the very first people to use um, computers to, to make art. And Deaf Beef actually has a really interesting kind of um, conversation that links up with, with that exhibition. Um, and we can touch on that, but there are some early artists like Ben Lepofsky and, and Lillian Schwartz who um, he's been influenced by. So there's there's all these dialogues happening with this work, but I think we should I think we should go to Deaf Beef and and um, and let him talk about what drew him to these early photographs by Edward Moybridge and what he created in response. Well, thank you. Thank you for that introduction. And um, uh, <clears throat> thank you for having me on today. Um, so, so yeah, I guess uh, that's probably a good, a good place to start um, jumping right in. Uh, so when, when, uh, when I was invited to, to work on, uh, to, to look at the LACMA archives, uh, I was looking through the work and there was, um, I knew about Edward Moybridge's uh, photographs kind of um at that point like superficially like i knew about the horse images there's these famous images of horses uh that he made the galloping horse and uh from my time uh, studying computer animation um just reading a little bit about the history of animation i was aware of that um but there was something like really kind of it was sort of like in 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 the common consciousness i feel like these images are widely distributed but there's still sort of there's like an enigmatic quality to them there's like a mysteriousness to them and uh, and the image that I first saw was actually of Moybridge himself. It was a chrono photograph of Moybridge himself. He was he's you know completely naked, swinging a pickaxe, and he's bearded. He's probably like in his mid forties, um, and 
it kind of speaks to him as this eccentric character. Like you want to know about him, about like what his story was. And he does have kind of a fascinating life and story. And there's been a number of documentaries that have been uh, made about him uh, as a, as a person uh, quite recently. Um, but anyway, so there, there was uh, like, I sort of identify with that kind of exp uh, eccentric experimenter, um, you know, like what, like why, how, how did he come to do this? And so I started researching about him and, and seeing um, more of his work. And I just found uh, like a wealth of, uh, of themes that could, you know, somehow tie back with, um, I guess, influences in my practice, but also overlap with some of the things that are happening today with uh, um, generative, whether it's like through code or whether it's through machine learning models, like AI models of uh, um, uh, generating images and about sources of truth about like, you know, photography as being an objective measurement as, as being an, uh, an objective observation of the world and, you know, where are the limits of that? And um, amongst other themes as well, themes of time, um, you know, the desire to uh, um, kind of control and capture time through the use of technology. Um, like he, you know, he pioneered some techniques to, to do that famously. And, you know, what was the motivation behind that? And also his choice of subjects. Um, uh, I mean, in, in, on one hand, it is uh, uh, scientific inquiry, but, you know, he's, he's taking pictures of, 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 of motion so that we can study it. But at the same time, when you look at the whole body, his whole body of work, um, a lot of the subjects, it, it's not completely just scientific inquiry. He has, he's chosen um, uh, people who are non-experts in some of these tasks. Like he has pictures of people blacksmithing and they're obviously not experts. Uh, he has, he has pictures of just people doing um, like, you know, menial tasks or, or doing random things. And it was really, it's really quite interesting. Um, so I've kind of gone, I think, on a, on a bit of a tangent here. Uh, but maybe, maybe I'll come back now to what this kind of influenced me to make. Um, what, so what, what, what it inspired me to make is uh, um, these, uh, I have two collections. There's two independent collections that interact with each other uh, via blockchain mechanism. The, the first uh, collection is, is titled Numenon. And Numenon is what you just heard the audio of. It's, a, it's an audiovisual generative piece. Um, so in my, uh, in my art practice, in my, uh, I, I write generative code that produces uh, sound and animation. Um, and, and so Numenon is, is, is an example of, of, of that. It has, um, I won't, maybe I won't describe like the visual elements too much, but it's amorphous, it's abstract, it kind of uh, has visual elements maybe suggesting paper cutout animation. Um, it's monochrome. Um, it looks like old film. It looks like uh, uh, some kind of, you know, uh, a nostalgic nostalgia for something that was before my time um, that that I can't even really accurately be nostalgic for. But that's that's the look of it. Um, so there's this one series, Numenon. And then from that, there's a an action that, that, that you can take, a blockchain transaction that you will, quote unquote, observe a Numenon. You'll capture it just the same way as Edward Moybridge would have taken um, uh uh, a series of of high speed photographs of a subject in motion. Um, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna by analogy metaphorically take an observation of a noumenon, and that will programmatically generate um, 
one one object in this section, a second collection titled Chronophotographs, and that will be uh, these are all static images that are um, uh, uh, in in the style of of black and white photographs of of uh, objects that are or, or figurative or abstract uh, motion in in its in its different phases in in a very similar style to the uh, the qualities of the of the images that that uh, Moybridge was creating, um, and so uh, that's that's it in a nutshell. Now from there, it is kind of a sprawling work, and I can uh, maybe maybe I'll stop there and and allow someone to 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 interject about maybe what what I should talk about next. That was awesome, honestly. I, I know having talked to Elsie a little bit earlier, we we have a little bit of a firmer, well, maybe yeah, hopefully a firmer grasp on on what you're with the, the dynamics uh, of the project are. And thank you for taking the time to share that. So from my understanding, there's 16 Numenons. Is that the the final verdict? Yes, there, there there's exactly 16. Brilliant. And and first question that came to mind initially was, uh, how did you come up with the name Numenon? So, um, when, while uh, Numenon is uh, it's uh, it's a direct reference, I'm a little bit embarrassed saying this, but it's a direct reference to to uh, the philosophy of Immanuel Kant. And I am not a studied philosopher, but I thought it was important to just make it like you know just to go for it and put that as the title. And the reason is this: is because in Kant's philosophy, um, there's there's the concept of the unknowable and about how there is a uh, there is a reality that we can only perceive, perceive through our senses. That's the only way that we can we can try to understand reality. But it's only through it's mediated through our senses. And so th there's the idea that there is there's the noumenal world. There is a noumenon, and that's something beyond our senses. We can know about it. We can maybe have a hint of what it is, but through rational thinking and through observation with our senses. But we can't ever really know it in itself. So it's sort of it's it. It's uh, essentially it's the unknowable, right? That we can't ever know everything about it. We can know some things, but not everything. Um, and so uh, that, that's Kant's philosophy. And the other part of it, there's noumena, and then there's phenomena. And a phenomena is some is basically an observation. That's what we can know through our senses or through um, you know augmented senses through scientific inquiry through measurements. Um, and so I wanted to call it noumena, meaning that it's a uh, it's something that's amorphous and abstract, and that's kind of the qualities of that audiovisual piece. That's it's kind of beyond um, our knowing. And then there's this process of observation that I was alluding to, which is um, uh, 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 taking a chronophotograph in the same way that that Moybridge he's trying to transcend the limits of our visual perception by using high speed photography to capture something that that was that that's. You know, previously, uh, parts of it were unknowable. And I guess uh, I should have said this before, but a really good example of that is the horse galloping. At the time, when he took these high-speed images of a horse's gallop and published them, they were famous all over the world, and they, were sh they, they caused shock and disbelief. People did not believe that that's what a horse could actually look like um, uh, while it was galloping. And the reason was because it differed from artistic depictions of horses gallops at the time and that was how people came to um that's that was what their conception was of a horse's motion it, it you know there was no film yet the photography was just starting so it would have been just through paintings 
um, uh, and what they can see with their eyes, which is limited. It's just a blur. Um, so it caused shock and disbelief, and people didn't believe it because it conflicted with what they thought. Um, and uh, to me, that was that's that's super interesting. Um, uh, you know about what we construct as our reality through our observations um, changes depending on what technology we have at the time. And, you know, that's, it's kind of a rich kind of theme that overlaps with a lot. Now what we're seeing as well um, about Im the creation of images and, you know, sources of truth, sources of objective truth. Um, so that's a long winded uh, uh, no, I, coming around. I love but that, that. That's where it comes It's from. such a simple question and it, it's just, further insight into the fact that the the way you've approached this is, is far more dynamic than most people can imagine and then the breadth and depth of the project just the, the more layers you you tend to peel back the more that uh gets exposed um so thank you for sharing that i guess one quick follow-up before i steal p's platform here is uh you know you talked about like the shock and awe of the the horse galloping is there any shock and all that you would hope to see as a result of this project? Um, I mean, that's kind of, uh, I don't think it would be a shock and all like in the same way as that. Cause I'm not like, you know, revealing anything that people don't already already know. Like we, our world is so hyper connected now that like sources of information are just so plentiful that uh, I don't know if there's anything that, that, uh, that I think would be really shocking. Um, but I have tried to choose, um, uh, so the, the, the Corona photographs are generative and some of them are figurative and some of them are abstract, but I've had to choose, you know, like a certain set of, of categories of motion. So there's like, there's some, um, there's, there's things that suggest animal motion and human motion and then some other abstract motion, but I've chosen them all quite carefully and, uh, as they reveal, um, like they each, they're each supposed to have some type of meaning. I don't know if it, it will, I don't think that it will be shocking, but, 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 but at least it will have some type of, of bearing and hopefully, you know, uh, make people think, and I don't want to give too much away about it yet until they sort of come more into focus. I appreciate that. Uh, this is super cool. And I, I love your, the philosophy behind the name and the variety that, <clears throat> excuse me, that you baked into it with, with the different types of motion that you just described here. And I, you know, you, you were talking about technology and how Moybridge is really trying to really utilize the technology in a new way to get us to see different things. And it, it strikes me that with this mechanism that you've created with the Numenons and then, you know, the participatory element with the chrono photographs that that's really also leveraging the, the blockchain technology. And I'm, I'm just curious, like, how did you even start thinking about modernizing that work that Moybridge did, but bringing your own unique twist in it and leveraging the blockchain and, and everything you do with it being all on chain and audiovisual? Like, what was that process like for you? And you know, how, how did it end up resulting in, in what we have here with the Numenons and Corona photographs? Sure. Um, so I guess I could say that, uh, like, n n it's not like this whole thing, like it was conceived, like just all in, 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 in one, like really, I found that the way that, that I work and many generative artists work is, is, is it's kind of incremental and exploratory. Um, so I'll start with one idea and then through process while I'm doing that, then I'll get other ideas and it will kind of grow in scope. 
And in a way, this is uh, kind of this one has kind of sprawled a little bit. But I bring in, you know, there's there's some elements of this that that uh, um, that are existing parts of other work that I've done. And so the participatory element that's something that that I'm always uh, kind of thinking about. I've um, the uh, I've done other generative series where uh, people can participate by 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 changing the parameters of a of an on-chain synthesizer um, and blockchain just seems like like one of the core kind of things to explore is how um we, we you can sort of enable some type of social um interaction while using the blockchain itself is kind of like a point of reference i think of it like in some ways it's like a like a game board like when you're keeping track of uh, a game and you just have markers like on a game board is so that everybody can have a reference right because you don't really need it you could just keep track of it in your mind um, but and so that that's how kind of how I really see it, and that there's there's just an opportunity to enable some of these um, different types of social in interactions mediated by by a blockchain, which it can involve ownership and value, and uh, that's just a um, a really rich opportunity. So um, so I, I like there's there's things that I have in mind that I'd like if I can to to bring to the project, and sometimes um, sometimes they they work out now. Um, yeah, like, I mean, uh, like the audiovisual piece, uh, it's because my, that's like my, my, my core practice is exploring time-based animation and sound, uh, using generative code. And so that becomes, uh, that becomes part of it. Um, I've just had this, uh, for various reasons, I, I work in monochrome, um, really as a practical, uh, reason because I have too many other dimensions to worry about, but that sort of, you know, circumstantially, uh, kind of overlapped with um, uh, having uh, uh, like um, similarities to black and white photography and so that uh, these connections can be made. So really, I kind of look at what's available and, and then, you know, incrementally find some things that can be connected together in various in various ways to uh, that are of interest or or meaning or just reference. And, and that's usually how my artwork kind of grows. I love that progression. I, I think that uh, you know any any high level creative has a, a process, and and just even hearing a little bit of insight into that that flow, you know. And I, I you know, I'm also a member of Proof, so you were able to provide a lot of insight, you know, during the last Grails Grails three for for some of that process, and you know, I I, I can really respect the the openness to. It sounds like the journey. Uh, along with uh, the process and, and the end result, and 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 ending up somewhere that maybe you never envisioned originally, but still having pride in the output as it goes. And I say that somewhat leading a witness about uh, an output. And the the other part to this uh, from the Numenon comes a uh, chrono photo. If I'm remembering that the nomenclature properly and and one of the things that i'm fascinated with is the time component to these chrono photos would you mind maybe providing a little bit of insight as to what the chrono photo is and then the the nature of the time component associated with it sure um so so time as a as a theme and as uh you know, as a, a as a mechanic uh, enters in a in a bunch of different ways. 
So a chronophotograph is uh, is not my term. Like chronophotograph uh, refers to um, basically the serial high speed photography of people like Edward Moybridge and others, um, uh, Murray also, and, and and some other photographers that pioneered that. Um, that you're taking high uh, like a succession of images that are either superimposed on top of each other or 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 shown in or shown in sequence to um, to show the phases of movement that you could otherwise not discern. Um, with your eyes because it's just it's too fast you can't discern it so that that's that's what a chronophotograph um, uh, uh, is um, and so that enters into time because the the chronophotographs that I'm showing are are uh, are motions of like of a subject that are shown at uh, small increments of time now the the other way that that uh, the time uh, comes into it is that um, on observing a noumenon and getting a chronophotograph, uh, then you know you're increasing the supply of chronophotographs in that collection. And technically, it's an infinite edition. You can take as many chronophotographs as you want, but but there's a catch, and the catch is is that there's a time limit in between, or there's a time uh, lock in between uh, each observation. So when you take an observation of a noumenon and generate a chronophotograph, then you have to wait for one block and a block is 12 seconds but then on after that on the next one you have to wait two blocks it doubles and after that observation you have to wait four blocks and it continues to double and so this exponentially increasing um, duration of the time locks essentially makes it so that um, it will plateau um, if you wait long enough then you will have an infinite edition but within our lifespan it's only going to be a certain number. And if you make a spreadsheet of it, you'll see that for every uh, noumenon, I think that within our lifetime, it's only going to be on the order of 30 that you can that you can do. Most of them all, all near the beginning, but eventually the time locks are going to be a year and then two years and then four years. And that's going to continue um, basically indefinitely. Um, and so there's that time element to it. And I don't know. I mean, I can wave my hands a little bit about how that connects to Moybridge, but uh, um, I, like it, it, it makes us consider kind of scales of time. Like you have these minuscule scales of time, and then that's in contrast to these very large uh, scales of time and about uh, control of time as well. Like, I mean, Moybridge is desiring to control time. He wants to capture something and, and uh, you know, measure it. Like there's grids in the background of all these images. He's measuring everything, compartmentalizing everything. But, um, you know, in the end, doesn't matter how much technology that you have, you're still kind of, you're going to hit a wall eventually. And that you're faced with these giant time spans. You're, you're faced with limits that you can't control. And so uh, in some way, it, it, uh, it relates to that. No, you, you teased out. I was able to tease out exactly what I was hoping to hear is about the the increasing time between the chrono photographs. Uh, now, just out of curiosity, do the chrono photographs, um, I'll call it accumulate over time, or is there a particular dynamic? Meaning, if a, if if a holder of a noumenon were to hold it for a year, decade, whatever it was, would there be a, a accumulation of these milestone blocks, and they can just go mint? The chrono photographs uh, at their leisure, or do they auto mint, or is it uh, is it? I guess those are kind of just more final, or have, have some pieces with some finality, and then more of like a, a, a general statement 
question, a very philosophical one would be, you know, as the artist, what, what would your hope for the release of these chronographs for those who are, are fortunate enough to have the Numenons? Like where, what would, what do you envision kind of coming out of uh, the chronophonograph, chronophotograph uh, creation? Sure. So I'll describe, I'll describe first the mechanic and then get into more of like the hopes or philosophy. So the, the mechanic is, is that um, the time lock is a minimum time lock, right? So once you take your, your, your pretend the time lock is a day, you take your chrono photograph, you have to wait at least a day. Um, uh, if you wait a year, um, that's okay, right? But you still have to take the action. You have to, there's a blockchain transaction, the title of it, the title of the function in the code is shutter release. Um, so you have to, you have to take that action um, to, to mint the chrono photograph. And uh, when you do that, the, the, uh, um, the, the block number, that's the time on the blockchain at that particular time that you take the photo, that's what ends up being the seed for the random number generator that generates the image. So if you would have done it at a different time, then it would have been a different image, which kind of stands to reason. So there's that kind of analogy there. Um, the, they don't accumulate, right? So if you just wait, then, then it doesn't accumulate. You have to take the action. You don't miss out. If you, if you, if, if you wait, like, uh, just like I described, if you wait past the time lock, you can still go and do it and you won't lose anything. The time lock will only double according to what the time lock interval was before. So if it was at a day and then you wait too long, then after you mint it, then you only have to wait another two days to do it. Um, uh, so uh they, 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 it imposes a maximum on how much they're going to be able to uh to mint these these chrono photographs now what what would my hope that 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 uh, people would do um i mean i would imagine that uh uh that people would want to take it as soon as they could that's what i would imagine um maybe people will wait for specific times because if that time has some type of meaning to them like someone that that uh that participated in taking a photograph today, they waited until an exact time because it was token 13 and they wanted to do it at 13.13 o'clock. Uh, so that's, I guess that's, that's interesting. Like, I mean, people can come up with, with uh, things they might want to do. Um, what, what I really hope for is the, the, the dimension of the participatory element allows owners to delegate who gets to take the, take the action of, uh, uh, of the shutter release. So, um, without giving up the token itself, you can uh, uh, you can specify an Ethereum address so that, that will give them permission to basically push the button. So they get to choose when they're going to push the button, and then and then they uh, push the button, quote unquote, submit the blockchain transaction, and that will uh, they'll they'll play a, a part in creating that chrono photograph. It will still go back to the Numenon holder, but uh, but they they will have played a part in that. And so I'm hoping that the Numenon holders will do something interesting with that. They could ask other artists to um, participate in that. They could use it as an onboarding thing to share with people that are not familiar with blockchain technology that come but uh, have a background in art to sort of uh, see what this is all about. Um, uh, they Some type of family relation. It could be friends. It could There's a lot of different dimensions, but I hope that uh, that people will have some thoughtful way to uh, to, to work with that. Yeah, I, th this I, I call it, for lack of better terms, parametric uh, artist. But I'm sure that's probably incorrect. Um, th that dynamic is one of the uh, the the parts of this project that I will find most interesting, and in, in how 
owners of the Numenon elect to bring these chrono photographs into existence, the the timeliness, the 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 just the the, the level of inclusion, or even I mean even the rightfulness to to just self take that shutter themselves as the owner and create and cultivate a, a collection themselves. I, it's just absolutely fascinating to me. And I'm, you know, I will be following this project ridiculously closely and I will be waiting on the edge of my seat to see how each of the, the 16 holders uh, begin to release these into the, into the wild. It just, it's, it's so fascinating to me. The, the way uh, there's going to be 16 Numenons and I, I envision just 16, different approaches to this and I, I even envision some sort of check in point years down the road of being able to connect with each of the owners and and really understand some of the deeper psyche to that path because it's there essentially the way i envision this and, and I'd, I'd love to hear your feedback is i envision 16 individual stories emerging from uh the point of the first shutter moving forward. And, and, you know, maybe there's even an individual who doesn't even take that first shutter for, or the, you know, the, the, the first snapshot for, for some time, uh, just the amount of stories and that start to interweave and unfold are, it's going to be a real, real amazing journey for a lot of different people. So great job with, with that dynamic. I'm, I'm really, really interested to see, not only the psyche, but the paths that that each of the collectors begin to to take forward. There's just there's such limitless uh, possibilities. Yeah, yeah, I'm really I'm really interested to see that as well. I think that uh, that maybe uh, some of the Numenons may be owned by uh, uh, DAOs, um, uh, so it would be it would be neat to see what they do with that and their members as well. Um, uh, I was hoping that uh, uh, I invited my friend and colleague, uh, uh, Mitchell, Mitchell Chan, uh, to come. And I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to hear, I'd love to hear from him. I don't know if lady cactoid, if you had, uh, uh, or, or, or the host, if you had, um, uh, something that, that, uh, to introduce that with, but I'd, I'd love to just to hear from Mitch. I know that, uh, Mitch has a, a long history of, of making conceptual art on, on the blockchain. Um, and, uh, and, and, and he's, uh, uh, he's done, I, I think, believe he's done some work, um, uh, with uh, about Edward Moybridge himself as well. So I'd love to hear from him. Hi, thanks, Steph Beef. Uh, yeah, I'm super happy to be, uh, to be here to talking, talking to everybody on the release of this wonderful artwork. And I guess the first thing that I just want to say is congratulations. Um, you know, I've been, you know, playing with this work now for a couple of days since you released it in beta. Um, and it, it truly is, I think, one of the rare works that I come across that, you know, is not just aesthetically beautiful as we are accustomed to with your work, um, but it's also really intellectually engaging. And I've been enjoying thinking about this work, um, you know, for the last couple of days. It's really been in my head. And I'm, you know... It, if I'd, I'd, I'd love to just share some of my thoughts, how, how, how I look at this work and what it makes me think about. Um, and they may not be, you know, uh, <laughs> they may not be concepts that were part of your artistic intention, but I just think that it is such a fascinating piece about the nature of observation and particularly about how technology as a tool for observation, um, how that whole idea 
has changed dramatically since Muybridge first did his experiments in photography and early animation. And, you know, as I've been looking at this piece and exploring the mechanisms and exploring like the visual and aesthetic relationships between the Numenons and the chrono photos, I've been thinking about how Moybridge's approach to observation and knowledge and empirical knowledge is has become like such a uh, I, I mean it's it's become a template for really like how we look at things overall as 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 a technological society today, right? You think about it, there's this thing that is not quite unknowable, and I'm going to talk about the 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 motion of a galloping horse here, right? We'll use that as the case study. Here's this thing that you know many people have considered to be unknowable. I know we were talking earlier about other artists' attempts to solve the mystery of whether a horse ever had all four of its hooves off the ground um, as it galloped, as it ran. You know, there were artists who were, you know, building train tracks beside horses and, and then having someone pump them along one of those pump trucks to, like, keep pace with the horse and try to draw it as it was going, right? And Moybridge came up with this technology. And this is in so many ways a metaphor for what we do like now in our extremely quantified lives, right? We observe something, we get empirical data, and then we believe that we then understand it, right? Those um, Moybridge famous horse images are, you know, to many people, the essence of horse's locomotion broken down into however many images, 16 images, 32 images, however many it breaks down to, right? And whenever we observe something really empirically like that, very like quote unquote scientifically, there's like always something that we're missing. And, but that, um, I've been reading, uh, you know, about, you know, quantified selves lately and about this concept of like the mathematical sublime. And we see everything laid out in a spreadsheet and numbers it just fills us with comfort. Unknowable things feel knowable. And I can go to bed at night without worrying about the void of the unknown, right? But we've just kind of shifted our perspective. There's nothing in those photographs that will tell you what it feels like to ride a horse. There's nothing in those photographs that will tell you what it feels like to have like the wind blowing in your hair as you are on horseback, you know, not to sound too ridiculous about it, right? Um, but we forget about that as we're seduced by this very empirical type of knowledge. And so to bring it back to this project, what I've spent the last 48 hours thinking about is how beautiful it is that, you know, this project turns that whole idea on its head. And despite the fact that, you know, Def Beef works with like incredible technical mastery, he really knows, you know, how to use blockchain and how to use, uh, you know, like these generative art algorithms. This project is all about like what will remain unknowable in this code that he himself has designed. And, you know, we get these motions and these noumenons and the photograph is ostensibly like a... Um, you know, an attempt to understand it. And what I thought was so brilliant was that, like, these chronophotographs actually imprint themselves on the noumenon. So what they do is they, they change, actually, what we can see in that original noumenon. And they change, like, what we do see, what we will see in that noumenon. And so that arrow of understanding ends up sort of like the arrow of understanding and causality kind of flips directions. And that's one of the things that I thought was really beautiful about it. And, you know, this idea was reinforced to me, Death Beef, when you were talking just now about the gaps of time in between when you can take 
these chronophotographs, right? And it's very like there's a very simple mathematical formula that explains exactly how many you'll be able to take and that it's like ostensibly infinite. But, you know, once we get past our lifetimes, even though, you know, that schedule maps out into a very tidy spreadsheet, it becomes essentially, you know, not, not relevant to us, like not relevant to experience. And what we can know mathematically on a spreadsheet is not the same as what we can know in our experience of our lives and our senses. So I think it's just a really beautiful project um, that underlines those, those, those paradoxes, that knowing something is not necessarily really knowing something and observing something accurately is not necessarily observing something meaningfully. And sometimes the meaning gets actually flipped the opposite way that you think. I, I just think it's a beautiful project. So I just wanted to say congratulations. And uh, thanks for uh, letting me come up here to uh, embarrass you as I gush on about it. Mitch, thank you so much. Thank, thank you for like, that's like a really, really thoughtful uh, uh, analysis and, and really, uh, really eloquently uh, stated. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm really happy to, to, to have you here um, speaking about that. Thank you. Yeah, as are we. I mean, it was an amazing, amazing analysis of what's going on. And I'm. Oh, Jared, uh, we, we can't hear you anymore unless it's just me. No, I can't hear him either. <laughs> um, I was just yeah, going to actually. Oh, I was just going to chime in and say, you know, that uh, this project has made me think about so many layers of of um uh of sort of stories that come out of out of Numenon and chronophotographs and i think the sort of meditation on moybridge is really quite interesting i think he's somebody that is part of our sort of understandings of of film history and cinema and photography, but he's not somebody that I think most of us probably think about in any deep way very frequently. And I think this is a, it's, it's a pretty interesting moment to look back on. And, you know, Def Beef, you mentioned like deep fakes and what we're able to do with AI and images and creating, you know, memories that never really happened. But I, I like the the chronophotograph that I just captured, which was um, an observation of Numenon 16, which I pinned to the top. Like it's really surprising. It's this really pretty, um, kind of soft, blurry. Because I I know this this has come out, but just to sort of like clarify, there's different epics of these chronophotographs that this time schedule will will reveal over the years and the early chronophotographs are blurry and then kind of with this dialogue on on camera technology they are going to get higher resolution so this one that i captured is blurry and it kind of looks like a cross between moybridge and mondrian and malevich it's just and it's surprising because it doesn't they're all so different and i think it really does speak to the um fact that you know, with our cameras, we, we capture these fleeting moments and, you know, we look through our iPhone and we see these things from years ago. And it's like, what, what was happening when we took that picture of our kids or like, there's so many things that isn't, that aren't there. Um, and then you get these surprising things like that, 
that Antonioni movie, which I love, Blow Up, where he zooms in and, you know, you see something that you didn't know was there. Um, but I just think it's this really beautiful way to latch on to a practice, which Moybridges was so scientific and so rooted in trying to observe the world and really like own in on um, the mysteries of the world. And, and like this, this Numenon, the Numenons you've created are so beautiful. And I could just like lose myself in the, in the visuals and the music. And then I'm just so excited to see all of these chrono photographs reveal themselves um, this week and over, over the ensuing months and years. Um, it's really quite, quite interesting. Um, the sub, oh, I was going to say that we took a snapshot of the room. Um, and I don't know um, if he, I've got, okay, I, the, we're, we're working on getting a list together and then we'll shuffle it um, with a, with a shuffle machine in the discord, because we were going to invite, um, definitely, um, Jared and, and Priyank, I, I think you guys express interest in becoming photographers or acting as photographers. So, um, we should, we should do that when we're done with this space. But, um, that is something that lives in the metadata of these works on chain and, like everyone was saying, there's going to be these narratives that ensue of like, you know, Numenon 5 and all of the various, um, you know, captured images that result over the years. Um, what, what, uh, what I was thinking is um, maybe there's questions from the audience because I, I think this is kind of a complex uh, project that you have created. And I know I've gotten a lot of questions, but I wonder, Jared and Priyank, if if we might um, have any questions. Yeah, absolutely. If there are any audience members who want to ask a question, uh, please, please uh, raise your hand at, or request. And Elsie, uh, while folks are doing that, for, for the people who are chosen to participate as a photographer, uh, where should they go? Is it going to be in your Discord or where would it be? Yeah, well, you can go to our Discord, but there's, a, but I think what we kind of landed on is, um, is it's easiest for Deaf Beef to give you the link in his Discord. But basically, your wallet will be allow listed, and then you can you can press um, the release shutter function. Deaf Beef, do you want to like tell us a little bit about that um, quick process? Sure. So basically, like whoever, uh, uh, you know, whoever is chosen or whoever wants to participate, basically just ping me with your address. And then what I have, because I'm currently still the holder of all 16 Numenons, I can, there's a function on each Numenon that I can uh, call and it's called cock shutter. And that like you're readying the shutter on your camera. And in doing that, I just supply an address. And then that means that it's all locked and loaded. And the person who has control of that address can can go just go to the website defbeef.com slash chronophotograph connect your wallet and then it's going to show a button at the bottom um, that it knows that you've been delegated uh, the blockchain knows that and then you just push uh, release shutter and uh, that will that will take the chrono photograph and you can choose when you do it because when you do it will affect what will be what will be made but yes all you basically have to do is give me your address and then I set it up and you go to the website and push a button. That's, that's it. It's point, point and shoot. That's, that's what we're doing. 
Fantastic. Fantastic. So if there's anyone in the audience who has a question for Deaf Beef about this amazing project, please, uh, please raise your hand and uh, come on up. And I actually have a question for you while we're waiting for folks. Um, why 16? How did you land on 16 Numenons? Um, well, I kind of have this, uh, I have this, uh, uh, convention, I guess, of, of releasing my series in powers of two. Uh, so synth poems, the first series was 128. And then after that, it's always been editions of, of eight or, uh, um, and then, so this one will be 16. Oh, also magically you, cause since you mentioned grails, but when the grails minted, um, I didn't have control over the, the collection was going to be anywhere between zero and 150. It just depends how many people chose to mint it and exactly 128 people chose to mint it. And so I was, I was pleased that, uh, that that happened. I don't know what that means. Um, but I don't think I'll carry on this convention forever. And in fact, we were going to go somewhere between eight and 16. Um, but, uh, um, it, there, there was enough interest and I thought it was good to have you know, enough individual stories. Eight seemed too few. It's nice to have kind of 16 sort of threads happening. It also influences the overall size of the chronophotograph collection. Um, and so that it was, it was a good balance. I love that. I love that. You, you might have to go to powers of three to, you know, uh, switch it up a little bit, but that's awesome. It's, it's the universe speaking with the grails coming to 128. And, you know, I also wanted to thank Mitchell for your thoughts. I mean, it was, it was beautiful the way that you related to and described the project. And one of the things that you talked about a lot, Mitchell, was the technology aspect. And, and so I wanted to, to ask you, Def, before, you know, kind of how technology is evolving in ways that we don't know. And I know uh, LC touched on the fact that with each epoch that passes, so each time the snapshot is taken, the resolution of the photograph also increases to a, you know, it, it won't stop, right? To a point where perhaps like we won't even be able to visualize that level of detail. Uh, I was just curious what your intention was with that and sort of what, what message you wanted to put out there with that mechanic. Sure. Yeah. So the first, uh, the first corner photographs are, are very low resolution. And then when you have to look at them, they're blurry because when you scale them, they're blurry, right? There's not enough detail. And then with each patch th passing uh, epoch, then, then they will then they will increase in resolution. Um, but like you said, it's sort of indefinite, right? So uh, um, ones in the, in the distant future, um, you know, might be hundreds of thousands of pixels by hundreds of thousands of pixels, and it's a lot it becomes really challenging, still doable, but then you, you go out another few ep epochs and then it will, you know, eventually it will, it will probably break. I mean, it depends on how technology progresses in the meantime, but I still think that it will eventually break uh, because faced with this kind of abstract notion, um, uh, like Mitch was talking about the mathematical sublime, right? We have this idea of Moore's law that, you know, computing power, computing storage, uh, you know, doubles exponentially every few years or, you know, whatever time period, any doubling over any time period really is going to be exponential. That's nice on paper, right? But that is an abstract concept and you cannot have exponential growth in a finite universe. In reality, it doesn't happen. You hit a plateau. That's why when you see populations, they appear to be growing exponentially, but then it's, uh, it's another mathematical curve at plateaus because you run into the limit. And there is always a limit in reality um, because 
Um, you know, eventually the sun will burn out. Eventually there's the heat death of the universe. Uh, so um, uh, exponential uh, doubling of computer computing power doesn't doesn't hold out over the long term. And so I guess it's I guess it's maybe you know uh, suggestive of that. Um, I mean, any of these things that I've done, like they're not really thought out completely as answers. Like it's not really an answer. It's more just like a suggestion of like, you know, a reference for something to think about. And it could be interpreted in, in many different ways. I just thought it was interesting to, to, to have this dimension of uh, relating time and, um, you know, complexity, um, which is uh, like a fundamental concept, I guess, like in computer science or engineering and um and playing with that theme in some way yeah absolutely and i i think you know by creating this mechanic it does force us to ask questions that are interesting and that perhaps we wouldn't have thought of before you know what does a a billion by billion pixel resolution look like is it even possible what could that turn into so i i love that you did that and i love how thought-provoking it is um, you know, the, the last question for me, and, you know, uh, if there's, uh, again, anyone in the audience who's any questions, p please feel free. If something pops in mind. You know, we we spoke with a few other artists who were part of this, the, the LACMA initiative. Elsie was gracious enough to have us come and speak with them the first go around for Remembrance of Things Future. And I wanted to ask you the same question we had for them, which was, what has it meant for you? to be working with such a renowned institution and, and to have your art there as someone who, who's been making art for a long time. And, you know, uh, perhaps this wasn't even on your radar a few years ago. Um, yeah. I mean, like it's, it's humbling. It's uh it's a, it's an amazing opportunity and I feel really fortunate to have it extended to me. Um, especially, I mean, you said that for, as someone who's been making art for a long time, I mean, in the, tr in the traditional sense, uh, I mean, not the traditional sense, but like, I haven't really, I haven't been a professional artist for very long. Like I've been creating things for a really long time, but I didn't know anything about the museum or the gallery system or, uh, um, uh like any of any, any of these systems, like a few years ago, um, I was just tinkering. And then there was this circumstantial uh, stuff that happened with, uh, with, um, um, you know, the opportunities that were, that arose for, you know, people from non-traditional backgrounds, um, with uh, blockchain and NFTs and specifically with, with generative art. And, and, and I happened to have those, those skills in that background at that time. Uh, and so in a way I feel like, you know, the camel that passed through the, what, what is it like the, the hole in the needle or something. Um, and so sometimes I, I do feel like, you know, a little bit, a little bit embarrassed um, uh, because there are people that have longstanding, uh, art practices, um, that, have, uh, that, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm very, I feel very privileged and fortunate to basically to have this opportunity and I'm trying to respect that and to try to do the best work, um, that I can, um, to, to, to honor that. Yeah. And I mean, you're, you're incredibly humble and I think that, you know, your work has really resonated with the crowd here in what I'll call the Web3 space for a long time. And I know it's going to resonate beyond that as well as more and more people find out about you. And, you know, I think it just goes to show the, the care and intention and creativity you've taken to your practice, even if it was never intended to, to be in a museum uh, in, when you were doing it. Uh, and, you know, just 
kudos to you for the fantastic work as as everyone here has been saying um i i am out of questions and, and we're running up on time so uh there's any parting words that you have or Elsie that that you have as well or or mitchell uh please please feel free um yeah i was going to say a few things um one is that we have a series of deaf beefs um previous works from synth poems to glitch box and caves um screening at lacma that will be running um through um the end of june the beginning of july um on the outdoor stark bar screens at the at lacma which are reserved for time-based media um and then you know we will all be kind of watching this story unfold there's so much more to talk about i was going to say we're we're trying to shuffle these names right now but if people are interested in becoming photographers i mean i know i see Misan Harriman, who's an amazing photographer here in the spaces, like I would um, love, you know, anybody who's really interested in this to reach out, but we're going to select um, a couple names. So maybe we'll just have you collectors corner, like retweet those people, those people's handles. And then um, if they want to participate, they can, um, we'll help them do that. Um, help them get their wallet addressed to Deaf Beef and and um, and be part of that process. Um, and yeah, we can all like share these these results together. But um, I'm just really excited that that this is all sort of coming together. And um, thank you guys for for bringing Deaf Beef and Mitchell and us here to talk about it. Um, we yeah. We'll, we'll all just be following along over these next three days. The release of the chrono photographs um, for sale will be on Thursday. And um, there, there you can find details uh, on our Twitter and Discord. And uh, we'll be doing more. Well, actually, we're going to be doing a spaces where we sort of think through one of the many documentaries on Moybridge where we sort of think about that some of these films and Deaf Beef's work so that will be on Thursday but um yeah thank you so much guys uh this has been super um super uh just fascinating to hear everybody um reflect on on this important work <laughs> yeah um, well, thank, I, thank you, Elsie. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say thank you and, and thank you, Deaf Beef. Thank you, Mitchell. Uh, we really appreciate your time and and uh, sharing your thoughts and this lovely art. And uh, yeah, we'll, Elsie, we'll, we'll connect about uh, finding some folks for the snapshot, and Deaf Beef will hop in your Discord and, and share that with you. To, to get that set up. And uh, I think Jared got rugged. So on, on his behalf, I will say, uh, you know, thank you again, well, everybody for, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, we'll, we're actually just shuffling this. We just, we just, if you just give me a second, I can, we can still contact people on Twitter, is. but if you give me a second, I'll tell you who the names are right now. Oh, sure. Okay. No problem. So, the names um, are 
OX, SAC, and Mind Rash. OX, what? SAC, S A C K. OX, SAC, S A C K. I don't know. And Mind Rash. And Mind Rash. I don't know if you guys are still here um, in the spaces. Are, are they? Does anyone, can anyone tell? I, I see Mind Rash, but I do not see um, OX SAC. Okay, well, we'll get in touch with, but Mind Rash, if you're interested in, in being a photographer, will you, um, will you DM me um, your wallet and, and then I'll just connect you and figure everything out? Um, great. <laughs> cool. Well, I'm really excited about this. Thank you, guys. And thanks, Steph Beef. And we'll all just talk soon. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure speaking with everybody. Okay, cool. And Cactoid, we could listen to Numenon again as people filter out because it's such beautiful music. Awesome. <laughs> cool. <laughs> okay, great. Okay, bye. Thanks, everybody. Thank you again, everybody. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning into Collector's Corner. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen. If you like this episode and want to help us out, please subscribe and leave us a review on your podcasting platform of choice, like Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and follow us on YouTube. Please also follow us on Twitter for announcements as we expand to other social and content platforms. Our Twitter handle is at collectors underscore XYZ. We'd also love to hear any feedback you have, so please comment or reach out. We're always striving to be more useful and get better so we can help you in your collecting journey. The Collector's Corner team and their guests are not registered investment advisors. All views expressed on this podcast are personal opinions and are not specific inducements to make particular investments or investment strategies and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. This show is solely for informational and entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, please consult a professional.